0: Everybody. My name is Alex Duffy and I'm going to be taking you guys on a journey today and explaining how studying space and commercial space and the universe has changed me as a person for the better Has equ- and it has equipped me with a skill set and a philosophical understanding that I did not have prior to digging into the facts and science of space itself space right now is such a mainstream topic, which is cool to see because growing up space really wasn't something that was gratifying to our society. It was kind of pushed off to the side as a less lesser important topic. And it's really great to see the resurgence of the interest of commercial space, the interest of space science, space science is such a unique frame of study because it takes two different disciplines and mashes it into one. And those disciplines are the understanding of history itself when it comes to human history, earth's history, geographical history, geological history. When it comes to these things, this area meshes with physics. It meshes with the mathematics. And you have these two... Separate disciplines that, you know, usually historians aren't mathematicians or mathematicians usually aren't historians. But in the concept of space, you have a mashup of both and you have to have a little bit of an appreciation for both things to truly understand the significance of space itself, the significance of the cosmos and the universe. And studying space has been very, very, very rewarding for me because not only has it provided me, you know, a career thus far, but it has literally changed the whole way I think about humankind. It's changed the whole way I think about Earth. It's changed my priorities. It has allowed me to be more effective as a person in this career field, as as a person trying to create products, as a person trying to Um, establish healthy relationships a person that's trying to be creative and help others do the same thing it has elevated me and I urge you to anybody listening to this who obviously have an internet connection because you're listening to this right now look it up go to google scholar that's free Go to Google Scholar and you will have an endless supply of scientific studies that you could read and interpret on your own. Um, I really suggest when you go into this, like any other science, you have to be open-minded. And that is the point of science, right? The point of science is to question the hell out of it, which is a great great practice to have in your life. Question the hell out of everything. Do not accept the status quo. Do not absorb whatever authority power is at place, whatever information the authority at the time is giving you, because they themselves might be incorrect, which if you have studied human history to any regard, you can see throughout human history how... We have been wrong. Power structures have been wrong time and time and time again, of scientific anomalies. And people have been killed (laughs) because they were heretics of their time and they believed something was awry in the current status quo of the scientific theory, right? At one time, people thought the earth was flat. At one time, they really did. And people were actually killed because they questioned the fact whether or not Earth was flat. And guess what, guys? It's not. <laughs> Sorry to put a damper on all the conspiracy theorists out there, but it's not fucking flat. It's not. Um, and what's interesting about space itself when it comes to studying it is... Not only does it make you have an open mind, because it's something that's so misunderstood. We we are just at the precipice of maybe understanding, I would say, 10%. 10% of the concept of the universe we might have down. That's 90% of things that we still have yet to truly understand. We we have yet to really mathematically prove we're we don't have I guess what might be a misunderstanding is we don't really have as much funding in the research of space as we do in the defense department of space right now the reason why you're seeing a lot of space in um well space stuff in the news or on the media a lot of those things stem from the establishment of the Defense Department or intelligence needs. So a lot of the satellites that are being utilized right now are for intelligence needs. Um, a lot of the space news that you're seeing when it comes to NASA and the operations that they do have, a lot of it is kind of keeping up with the Joneses when it comes to other countries who are trying to establish themselves in space as well. It's Right now it's become a capitalistic Uh, motivation, which, you know, that does drive technology. Capitalism drives technology. And that is what's driving it right now. So that's why you're seeing kind of a new resurgence of the space race. But in a more private company forum, you got Blue Origin, you have SpaceX, you have Virgin Galactic, you have Boeing, which are defense contractors, they're defense contractors. And what that means is that they are bidding for government. Uh, Contracts, Um, and a lot of these companies, whether it's Teledyne Brown, um, whether it's Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin—I can go on forever. These companies, they make their money when it comes to—they make their really the bread and butter when it comes to the onset of war and the need for security, national security. And this is why space is becoming really significant right now, is because it is a race. Uh, For intellectual power when it comes to satellite production and observation, satellite usage, which is observation. And to get to the moon before the Chinese, right, because that's our competitor. We're trying to outdo in a multitude of ways as a country, other countries who are involved in space, especially countries that aren't exactly in line with the dynamics and philosophies of our country. Now, with that being said, the area of research of space, when it comes to the actual understanding of the dynamics of the universe, there isn't as much funding as that in that um, there. And that is something that I want everybody to take into consideration when it comes to political agendas. When it comes to political agendas, we the people, at least in the United States, really do have the power to advocate and choose candidates and push candidates, push them into certain directions. And we really have the power to do that. We have the power to vote out people who don't have the priorities set that are in line with our morality and what we need to know about space. What we need to know about space, guys, is how to protect ourselves, right? How to protect ourselves as people who live on Earth. It doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what social status you have, the amount of wealth, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter who you are and where you come from. If you're on earth right now, you're vulnerable. And when you study space, you understand just how vulnerable (laughs) we are. It is insane how vulnerable we are. Our planet is plummeting, just going through space like just like a shot that was fired and we're just going through space at an unbelievable speed and guess what guys space isn't empty it's not empty there is a lot a lot of debris there are comets there are meteors there's asteroids right there's planets that are breaking apart there are whole planets there's stars right there's a lot of a lot of things that can occur there's black fucking holes. <laughs> there's a lot of that there's a lot of shit out there and as our galaxy moves in space, we're gonna come across some certain uh, cosmological anomalies that are going to um, be a great equalizer in our world and it has been in human history and in the history of the earth. as we know there has been, mass extinctions that has obviously been documented through archaeology and geology throughout uh, human history. We've been studying this and we've had mass extinctions and a lot of them are from catastrophic events from the cosmos. You know, we have been hit before and if you haven't seen the moon, look at the moon. Look at the scars on the moon. The moon is hit with cosmic debris all the time and some of the time it is very very massive and think about that cosmic debris think about the sheer size of that and the speed when it comes plummeting it plumbing plummeting down to earth itself or plummeting to the moon right and the kinesthetic energy that occurs when that debris hits that source when the debris hits the earth or when the debris hits the um the moon earth's moon when that happens A lot of damage occurs, right? Well, it's happened to Earth before. And if it's happened before, guys, it can happen again. (laughs) You're not safe. And it's hilarious to think you are. And that's what's great about studying space is that it opens your fucking eyes. It opened my eyes. All these little things that you're worried about, (laughs) it don't matter. It really doesn't matter because what you really should be worrying about is as somebody who lives on a planet like this, your priority should be, do we have the technology? Do we have the understanding? Do we have the funding? Do we have the priorities at hand to make sure that we protect this planet? Because it's not just about climate change. If you understand science... To any, to any degree, and if you follow it, you must understand that this life is finite. Our The status quo in which we live is finite. And if you want to evolve or improve and help society itself participate in helping society itself, you need to understand that this planet is a blessing we have atmospheric qualities that most planets don't have within our solar system actually no planet within our solar system has the degree of atmospheric qualities that earth has and when it comes to catastrophic events earth is the place to be because catastrophic events could be an array of things it could be solar flares it could be uh, cosmic energy um, so cosmic radiation it could be you know impending comets meteors asteroids things like that there's a lot of things that can occur that are completely devastating to life on earth however we have a better chance of surviving it on this planet than any other one and we don't have a second option right now we don't have a second earth to go to many of us might be familiar with the mission to mars The mission to Mars is something that NASA and many other private companies are investing toward because they want to study Mars and understand how Mars came to be at its current state, which is not very hospitable to life, by the way. And we want to understand, quote unquote... What happened to Mars and how can we prevent it from happening on Earth? However, there are private companies that are trying to colonize on Mars. There are actual companies within the world. One of them is called Mars One. It's out of the Netherlands. And they have had talks with Elon Musk and possible investing opportunities to send humans to Mars to live out the rest of their lives and populate this area. Number one, for many of you that are wondering, <laughs> oh, you know, people who are probably excited about this, like, oh, wow, what a great thing. Like, we're, at, we're moving towards a alternative plan. Let me just be clear. Going to Mars is not a good alternative plan. Right here on planet Earth, we have atmospheric qualities, like I said before, that no other planet in our solar system has for life that protects us. Mars, where they're trying to land... On Mars, where they're trying to colonize, what they're trying to research, it's where they're sending um it's where they're sending robots, it's where they're sending tests, it's where they're sending people eventually, right? It's the equator they're going. They're going to the equator of Mars. And we understand the equator on Earth to be a place of vacation, warmth, the Caribbean, you know. Well, guess what? The equator on Mars is nothing like the equator on Earth. The equator on Mars, the warmest spot on Mars, is Negative 46 degrees Fahrenheit. Negative 46 degrees Fahrenheit. And (laughs) if you're not aware, that's fucking cold. Okay? That's cold. I barely am okay with 32 degrees Fahrenheit, let alone negative 46 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the warmest spot on Mars. That's where they're trying to send people to live. Second, Earth is... We can breathe on Earth, right? I can go outside and I can fucking breathe. Mars, there is no atmospheric quality that allows the consumption of air. There's no ability for you to breathe on Mars without equipment. There's no way. You can't breathe on Mars without proper protective equipment that allows you to breathe in a simulated environment with the onset of um the creation of breathable air. There is no natural breathable air there. They don't have the same atmospheric qualities to maintain breathable air, and it doesn't have the same amount of elements that our air has, right? Because it's not contained the same way. One of the biggest things that we need to understand about this planet also is that we on this planet are lucky enough to have something called a magnetosphere. A magnetosphere extends kind of beyond the greater earth or orbit right so it's, it extends that far it's right beside the ionosphere and what that does for us on this planet is that it prevents a slew of radio well a slew of charged particles from that extend from the sun and that extend from cosmic radiation radiation are charged particles and it can extend from the sun Our sun, any star, or cosmically, there are um, charged particles in the cosmos that come from other stars and other activity in space that pose a radiation threat, right? Well, we have what's called a magnetosphere and, and an ionosphere that prevents the full capacity of those charged particles from hitting the surface of the earth. You know, you hear of sunburns. Sunburns, the UV light, uh, you know, it's a, it can cause cancer, right? Radiation causes cancer. Well, that is nothing. What sunburn? That is nothing compared to the full-blown hit of charged particles that come from space. If we didn't have a magnetosphere, if we didn't have an ionosphere, we this would be a desolate planet it would there would be no life because no life would be able to sustain cellular health based on the amount of radiation that would be hitting us every day we have sunlight right our planet revolves around the sun well every day there is a slew of radiation that hits our planet right but it doesn't come down to the surface why because we have a magnetosphere and an ionosphere that protects us From the full impact of solar and cosmic radiation. When you're in space, you don't have that. You don't have that shield. You also don't have the shield um, on Mars. Mars, their magnetosphere is, I want to say, at a magnitude of 10 times weaker than our magnetosphere. They speculate that Mars had a magnetosphere at one time. That hasn't been proven or I'm sorry it, they speculate that Mars had a stronger magnetosphere at one time but that has not been proven. So when you're on Mars, you do not have protection from radiation. None. None. You have no protection from radiation which is why it is not hospitable to life right now, not to mention the low temperatures, right? Because that low temperature is it same with the um with the radiation problem is because it lacks certain atmospheric qualities and we're sending people there we're sending people there to live out their lives who are going to live out their lives in a spacesuit or trapped within a habitat that is man-made they're not gonna go walk outside and explore every day because every day they're gonna have the threat posed to them of radiation exposure every day they're gonna be exposed to radiation every time they go outside and by the way we don't have We don't have adequate enough shielding technology for radiation for space travel as of now. Our shielding technology for radiation is very minimal. And it's actually kind of archaic when it comes to the, the amount of radiation that is in space and that could pose a danger to your life when you exit Earth's atmosphere. When you exit Earth's atmosphere... You come closer and closer to being exposed to large amounts of radiation. That's what Mars is. It's a You are getting bombarded with radiation, right? And we're sending people there. It is not a good second option. It will never be a good second option, right? We have one planet and this is it. And this is one of those things where when you study this, When you look into these planets, the planetary qualities in these different areas, whether it's within our solar system or beyond, you start to understand how special this is here. How unbelievably wonderful this Goldilocks planet is. And are we looking for other Goldilocks planets where they're just right for life? Absolutely. But again, we don't have the technology to go there. We don't have the technology right now to steadily maintain human life on Mars, let alone beyond our solar system, which is where those Goldilocks planets are, by the way. They're beyond our solar system and potentially even beyond our own galaxy, right? There's millions of galaxies, by the way. Millions upon millions. And we do not have the technology to send any human there at this point in time. We don't. And we don't even have the technology right now to truly defend ourselves against um, cosmological implications and catastrophes. And this is where it all comes into play. when it When you're studying this, you begin you begin to have a true sense of humbling. It is humbling to know how insignificant you are in comparison to the universe. It is truly humbling to know that every day that you're alive, it's a fucking miracle when you realize what is plummeting out in space right now. We are on a road going how many miles per hour? I can't tell you off the top of my head, but we're going fucking fast through space right now within our solar system with a fuck ton of debris just orbiting around us at all times. And at some point a something is gonna come within our orbit that is massive is massive enough to destroy whatever we've accomplished here as a civilization. It will destroy everything that we possibly know right now that we've established and sustained in human history your the amount that you recycle every day the the time you take to separate your recycling material, the time you take to be more sustainable in the amount of water used, the time you take um, to, you know, use less fossil fuels, that doesn't matter anymore when it comes to the fact that a comet could come within our orbit at any time and destroy everything that we worked so hard as humanity to accomplish, right? And here, I mean, not to be the bearer of bad news or a down, uh, Debbie Downer, but this is the reality of... Space science. The reality of space science is that this is all finite. And because it's finite and we live in such a wonderful planet that can sustain life. And because that we we just so happen as a human being to be the species of this planet that has the intellectual capability of preventing catastrophe, we need to make that a priority. We need to make that a priority. It doesn't matter what country you come from, it doesn't matter the political status that you have. It doesn't matter if you recycle or not. What is a priority is to be the to be the protectors of this planet. We have the ability to do it. We could put the funding in right now to protect this planet. And right now I want to say it's oh uh, it's a few million that we have when it comes to the research of preventing a catastrophe from um, an object coming within our orbit and plummeting to Earth, right? We have very little and limited funding when it comes to that. But we have a fuck ton of funding when it comes to war, now don't we? And uh, although national security is important, what about global security? (laughs) Because that type of event No matter where it would hit the whole world would feel it the whole world would experience an onslaught of events that would turn our whole civilization upside down if not wipe it completely clean something that's going to take you into a different perspective is our lack of ability to see and have time of something within our orbit to have time plan to prevent it from impact or when it does impact us to have an evacuation plan. We're not ready for that. Why? Because just in 2013, for those of you who remember in 2013, there was a meteor that was 56 feet long estimated 56 feet. Think of a 56 foot rock, right? Plummeting, to earth. We saw that thing 10 days before its impact. 10 days. All right. It might take you a month to write a paper. Imagine seeing a meteor 10 days before impact and trying to figure out and strategize What are you going to do to evacuate the people when it does impact? What are you going to do maybe to prevent its full impact? How are you going to react? Do you think our country can come together in 10 days to prevent a mass catastrophe? Do you? Because as of late, what I've been seeing with the pandemic, what I've been seeing, how about New Orleans, Katrina? What are you... They have no ability to come together in 10 days to figure it out to prevent mass losses of life. Now, the good thing about the 56-foot meteor that did break apart in our atmosphere as it was plumbing down, when it hit, there's actually videos of it, it hit Russia, Siberia, I believe. And when it hit Russia, there are multiple videos, car cams, things like that, office cams, that... When it hit, it destroyed thousands of buildings, but it did injure thousands of people. Thousands of people were injured because it was a lot of fragments that hit um, that area when it broke apart in our atmosphere. Thousands of buildings were damaged. Thousands of people were injured, but nobody died. So there was no reported deaths. And that's because it was a less populated area. It just so happened to hit a very minimally populated area. Imagine a fifty-six 56- thousand foot rock hitting Los Angeles and what it would cause imagine a 56 foot rock hitting New York City and the damage that it would cause and the people that would die imagine that and that's just a baby rock compared to the the type of uh, cosmic objects that are orbiting our solar system right now imagine something bigger And imagine it hitting a city. Obviously, we aren't equipped yet. All right? We're just, like I said earlier, we're on the onset of understanding. We understand 10% of the universe. We understand 10% of the implications of uh, cosmic disasters that could affect our sanctity of life here on this planet. We are just now really getting deep into it and truly understanding what we can do in this circumstance if it came to the table of a matter of survival if it if we actually if we calculated something of a specific magnitude or mass coming to earth's orbit what we need we need a plan right and we're just now just now really trying to do that Um, and we need a lot more funding. We need a lot more people who are cognizant of the fact that we are finite here, cognizant of the fact that we're very vulnerable as a planet, even though we have amazing atmospheric qualities and we don't have a second planet guys, there's nowhere for you to go. There's nowhere for you to go. Nothing. And even if, you know, that movie that everyone's talking about, um, I think it's called What If? It's on Netflix. Everyone's talking about it of an asteroid hitting the planet, right? Uh, Or I can't remember if it was an asteroid or a comet. That can absolutely happen. And that's what's terrifying is that that could absolutely happen. And we can barely, as a country in the United States, get our ducks in a row politically to focus on things that truly matter to our society. A lot of it is self-preservation to the politician and the funding and accolades that they're really seeking. Instead, we really need to come together as a country and a community to search for folks to serve an office that want to protect the sanctity of our life, that want to protect the advancement of our society and continue to advance technologically to protect this planet. It's it's. Bigger than climate change. This is bigger than climate change. Because, like I said, you could recycle for the next 30 years and it's not going to mean a damn thing if a comet comes within our orbit. It's not going to mean anything. When a comet comes within our orbit, you will have mass extinctions and society as we know it will be wiped clean. And those who survive will be put in the Dark Ages because technologi- te- technology is going to mean nothing when this thing hits, right? Nothing. It's not going to help you. Uh, and to be comfortable right now is a problem. Uh, to be too comfortable. And that's been the warning a lot of a lot of ph- philosophies. A lot of philosophies, uh, you know, whether whatever religion you want to talk about. Each religion, each myth, whatever it is that was passed down to us from our ancient um, ancestors, from ancient civilizations. They've written things down. We have ancient literature and we read it and we study it in school. And a lot of them are saying, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. Because when you get too comfortable, that's when you allow yourself to be even more vulnerable than you are. And right now we're comfortable and we're distracted. And it's astonishing, but this is why I love space and this is why i it's made me a better person because it has set my priorities in a different direction. My priorities now in space, understanding the implications at hand. My priorities now are being kind to as many people as I possibly can. Putting people first is the main one. And my ideology, there is not an ideology anymore. There is no ideological stance that I have I don't lean left or right I um it's it's insane to me that we've become this distracted with our own ideological perspectives and these tribal mindsets it's really preventing us from protecting this planet and ourselves it's protect it's preventing our future growth we're these lives that we have are precious they really are um and this study of space has put it in clear perspective for me it i could we could die in a month we could die tomorrow and what do you have to show for it what have we done for humanity to preserve what we've accomplished so far and i really urge everybody listening to this to take the time to explore space because it's truly amazing it's astonishing it it really erases your ego which is a huge thing right now right our ego it's within our ego that we choose ideological lines it's within our ego why we choose certain political parties and we outcast others it's in our ego as to why we divide ourselves as a population it's within our ego to not to not admit that you've been wrong it's within our ego and our pride That prevents us from advancing even more than we have. If you can admit that you've been wrong. If you can admit that, oh my god. I am not as important as I thought I was. That's huge. Because you're not. No one is important. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. What you've made. What you've done. Your wealth. Your political status. It doesn't matter how many bottles you've recycled in your life. What are you doing? What are you doing right now to bring our community together to prioritize and protect the evolution of the human race? Because that's what it's about. I don't care what country you come from. I don't care what ideology you fall under. What space does for us, when you study it and you look at the planet Earth that exists in the miracle of this planet, this Goldilocks planet that sustains life, it doesn't matter what ideological background you come from. It doesn't matter. It's sheer nonsense to put that in front of everything else in your life. It's sheer nonsense. And that's what's so amazing about space. It is the great, great equalizer. And it shows us just how important it is to fight for what we have here, to fight for what we have. Let's protect this planet. We're the only species that can No one else is going to save you. No one else is going to save you. No one else is going to save the human race, but human race. No one else is going to do it. We have to do it. We're the ones that are going to have to do it. And we need funding for that. We need to choose politicians that understand disaster preparedness, that understand the importance of science, that don't disregard science. We also need to understand that science right now in the United States and even in other Western countries is at stake for being diluted. Science right now is being diluted by ideology. We are as a country and in other Western nations, denying scientific fact and putting our ideologies before science. Science is a funny thing where the point of science is to conduct a failure analysis. Basically, if you have a theory in science, What you're supposed to do is you as a member of the scientific community is supposed to fight it. You're supposed to find every weakness available that you can possibly hunt down and dig for within that theory to prove it wrong and to question it. That's, that's imperative. Question it and try to prove it wrong. And the more you do that to a theory, the more that you smooth it out and It actually makes the theory itself stronger because you can find the weaknesses and you can improve upon the theory because sometimes we might have a really good foundation of a theory, but there's a lot that are missing or that might be a little bit incorrect um, within the smaller details. And it's our job to create a picture of scientific data that is smoothed out, that is constructed adequately with data and facts and studying, peer-reviewed studies, etc. Why I'm saying this is because we've reached a point right now in our political system that prevents this from happening. That when a political, when a political uh, person, um, a politician, when they state something without any type of peer-reviewed science involved, that is not science. That is a statement, and it most likely a fabrication because it's a, it's a fabrication until it's proven otherwise, like all science. Until it's proven, it's merely just a statement, a fabrication, right? Do not believe immediately what your authority figures are trying to tell you or that they're saying because you don't know what type of agenda that they're coming from. What we should be doing is really relying on our scientists, relying on our scientists and a wide variety of scientists, by the way. look from different areas you don't take their word for it, you know, don't take anybody's word for it look for look for data yourself because you want to see the big picture. You don't want to see one small fragment and you want to question these things because it, Once you question it and you hold people accountable for the full statement that they say, they need to be able to have enough maturity to admit when they're wrong and to approve their theories to improve the impact of humanity and to improve our strategies to protect this planet, right? And that's what space is teaching me. It's taught me to conduct a failure analysis, a research and development analysis to see, to test out what works, what doesn't, um, where are the weaknesses in the plan? Where are the weaknesses in the product? Where are the weaknesses in the theory? And to question authority figures who make statements without any proven scientific data that has been peer-reviewed from multiple viewpoints. Space teaches me to be humble. Space teaches me to eliminate my ego and to put others first. To put the priorities of the humankind first. Space I will say it again, is a great equalizer. It's powerful. When you study this universe, it's powerful what it does to your mind. It's powerful to be humbled. It's powerful to have humility. It's powerful to do your own digging, to expand your own education. Because our ancestors did something that we have forgotten in time. They looked up in the sky every day. And they planned their whole society and culture around astrological events and astrological anomalies. They planned their whole structures and societies around certain mappings of the sky. They were very intertwined with the cosmos and we have lost our way. And as you see today, people are amassed with greed They are putting uh, accolades and accomplishments before the sanctity of their family, before the sanctity of humans. They have lost the ability of empathy. They have lost the ability of understanding how important life is on this planet and how rare it is and how finite it can be. Understanding space can change your life. It can make you a better person. It's made me a better person. And I really recommend that whoever is listening, however this gets shared, whatever, that you do the same. Study space. Look into it. Test your humanity. Test your ego. Test your humility. Test your politicians, because at the end of the of the day, they're human beings and they have their own agendas. But hold their asses accountable, because that's your job as a citizen to hold your political members accountable. Hold them accountable. Do they have a disaster plan? With what funding and how? And that today include, or concludes the podcast. My name is Alex Duffy. There will probably be more of these in the future. This is hive 33's podcast it's a company that stands for habits instruction vision and employment it's called high 33 you can go to our website we help develop careers and education and the uh, sustainability of minimalism we teach minimalistic practices i come from a background of aerospace and aviation and i love sharing what it has taught me and how it's made me a more well-rounded person in general. And if you're interested in space, reach out, ask some questions, and I love to talk about it. And I appreciate your time today. Y'all have a good weekend.